It's football season, and that means it's bug season. Heck, who am I kidding? It's always bug season in Texas. And that's why you need Grandeur Pest Solutions in your corner. They're locally owned and operated. They're trained, they're trustworthy, and they have a proven record as they have been in business for almost 10 years. They provide pest control against ants, bed bugs, bees, roaches, fleas, wasps, mosquitoes, rodents, spiders. If it crawls and you don't like it, they're probably going to take care of it for you. Now, they serve all of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they're locally owned. These two guys have been running this business since 2013, and every year they get bigger and bigger. But you know what they still do? They still have great customer service. In fact, if you get a hold of them, they're usually going to have your quote and your job ready to go within 48 hours. That's pretty good. Now, you can call them for a free estimate at 469-809-1769. You can find them online at Grandeur4, that's the number four, shore.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Just type in Grandeur Pet Solutions, and we are so happy that their title sponsor for Outdrank the Coverage in 2023. Here at L4 Media, we talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. So like and subscribe and check us out. The Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Isn't that how that works? You know, last week they lost. They were going to get the first-round pick. Now, our first pick in the draft. Now we win. We're going back to the Super Bowl. Hello, everybody. Terry Bennett, intern Noe here. Outdrank the coverage on L4 Media, brought to you by Grandeur Pest Solutions. Well, we're going to be talking a little Texas college football. That's the team and the state and, of course, the Dallas Cowboys and the NFL. But before we do all that, Intern, no, no, you know what? No, no, no. I gotta, I gotta rip the bandaid off this one before we even do what we're drinking. I fucking hate our fantasy football team leagues this year. I hate all of y'all that are playing in them. Y'all are cheating me. Y'all are Nancy Kerrigan, all my great, great players. I am now like combined two for five or something like that in the first two <laughs> weeks. And we have two leagues, by the way, folks. Join up next year. We'll have maybe three. Uh, but in turn, no, I, I, I just can't get past that. I demand as co-commissioner we redraft and I get the first round pick and the last round pick, last pick in the draft in a snake draft. What say you? I say no. Okay, this collusion. <laughs> I'm taking the rucks. Uh, we played this. We played today or this week, Screw and uh, I would drink the the newly created. I would drink the coverage. The league. The league. Yeah. I am going to beat you. Yeah. Um, thoughts and prayers. Uh, just to recap, I had AJ Brown. Now he's an eagle. I'm not too happy about it. I got Jalen Hurts, man. Part of my soul is hurt, and you had Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I had to start Brown. I had to vulture your points there a little bit. You did too. He threw primarily to Brown. Brown had a huge day. Yeah, but I mean, you were kind of handicapped because the Colts kind of started slow, and Michael Pittman had a slow start, and yeah. Richardson didn't really hit. You know, go toward him uh, in, in their second half comeback. No, but, you know, hey man, it's early in the season. I know it's things, but the best thing about this is it's one loss. You know, first off, screw you. Um, second off, I can't at least take uh, solace in the fact that in our fantasy football years, I've or years that we've played, I have tended to beat you more than you beat me. Not by a lot. If I've, if we've played ten times, it's probably like six and four now. Um, but the weird thing is, is I'm in eight total leagues, right? I'm going to go yeah. six and two this week. I went five and three last week. This is the, the every other 
league I'm doing perfectly fine with. This is these two, and again, I, you know, we, we all make fun of each other when we lose, but it, it sucks because it's injuries for me. It's it literally is. It's just injuries. Joe Burrow's being hurt, and then T Higgins. I have him as a one-two co- uh, combo in one of our leagues. Well, they're both out hurt. It looks like at least Higgins is probably going to be out three to four weeks. Burrow, he might as well be out the way he's playing. But you know, hey, what? That's how fantasy goes. We're all having fun. But anyway, what are you drinking, and how are you doing? I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well. And uh-huh. I am drinking Buffalo Trace. It's one of my favorite bourbons. Um, vanilla notes, little brown sugar. Ooh, little brown sugar. You know, I like a little brown sugar. I know you do. Call me. <laughs> How about you, buddy? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm actually just cheating today. I mean, I'm drinking. I'm drinking rum. I'm drinking uh, some Malibu, your favorite uh, uh, Malibu, and uh, a little bit of Crush uh, powder drink. I I almost didn't drink today. Cheers. Cheers. I almost didn't drink today, but I I, I kind of remissed myself a few weeks ago when I skipped out on drinking because I was so hungover, which here in a couple weeks, uh, we will be back live in studio for a special edition as Monday night Cowboys and the Chargers. We're going to record before then. Um, might do something during, I haven't decided yet, uh, but that's going to, that leads me to with the holidays coming up in the end of the year, your work schedule kind of changes a little bit and has a little bit more flexibility. We're going to be doing a couple more Monday nights live or, you know, presumably live shows here in the next, what, I guess up until really the end of the year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's usually pretty nice just to go into studio and, um, kind of collaborate a little bit together instead of getting yeah. getting the lab with our getting the lab with our pen and our pad yeah <laughs> uh yeah i'll be fun uh, i'm looking forward to two weeks i'm kind of wondering if the cowboys are going to just stay out in the west coast the next two weeks kind of like what the jaguars are doing in london that's kind of uh some teams do it some teams don't i i don't think there's a a, a big difference in win percentage in it um now don't the cowboys have the buy after the chargers Yes, they do. Yeah, so I, I could see them doing the let's just stay out there two weeks in, then we go back home, kind of a get a camp uh, atmosphere. Um, but anyway, before we get into the Dallas Cowboys NFL, let's turn our attention to what was Saturday, I think, some really fun football. Uh, and the state of Texas and the Texas Longhorns proved that maybe they're for real as they held off Kansas 40-14. to 14. Now, Jalen Daniels, the KU stud quarterback, he oddly hurt his Back in pregame, I don't know. Just that was just a weird thing. You know, we're, we're in this era now, uh, Noah, where everybody talks about like you know, oh, everything's rigged. If, if you wanted to point to what felt like a weird rigged moment, that could have been that one right there. Yeah, it, it could have been. I mean, this was supposed to be a very big matchup in Austin. Kansas is undefeated, ranked number twenty-four. Uh, Jalen Daniels is a dynamic quarterback and would have created a lot of issues for Texas even with their really good defense. But, uh, yeah, him being hurt kind of threw the game out. Um, I know you were a little frustrated with the Longhorns' slow start, but they kind of picked it up in the second half and pulled away. What was frustrating as a fan was a lot of it was completely self-inflicted. Bats, they they had a couple great plays and then a bad snap. You know, they lose 25 yards. It, it, it wasn't like, oh, okay, hey, Kansas. And Kansas did play well. I'm not trying to take away from them. But, it, yeah, I was more frustrated because it's – Texas has earned the right to start thinking about what if we make the college playoff, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so you've got to you've got to eliminate those plays. You got to eliminate those plays this week against OU. Uh, all the talk about OU and they they've kind of played a weak schedule and they have at least on paper their defenses look good. Now SMU kind of had their way with them at times, but 
it, you still you just can't make those mistakes. But I will say this once again, uh, Texas in that second half is doing what good teams do. It, it doesn't matter what the first half scores. It doesn't matter what scores at halftime. Just win the second half and win it convincingly. And, and that defense ratcheted it up that that second half and and again looked dominant. And give Kansas credit, their backup quarterback. It wasn't like a few years ago where if it was Kansas and a backup quarterback, then it, you know it, it might have been a guy that had to make a wish foundation dream come true. The, they the, that, that Lance Leopold. I hate that he's probably going to leave. He has built that roster truly too deep for the Jayhawks. Yeah, and being the the quarterback that played on Saturday, he was actually the original starting yep. quarterback going into last year until Daniels overtook him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like he's, he was a bad quarterback. It's just I think it was more of a, well, I prepared to be the backup, not really be the starter, and it kind of showed in the game. The, the, the best stat in this whole game, you know, I'm a stat guy. Yep. The best stat in this whole game was Kansas on third down and fourth down. They were combined 0 for 10. Yep. That tells you everything. Yeah, that that's where that's where good defenses grow. That that's you know first and second down against like first half. You can, as long as you're not giving up first downs on first and second down, you win third down. And in today's football world, increasingly more and more fourth downs, you win those, and you're gonna you're gonna usually win the game. Uh, Jonathan Brooks from Hallettsville, been covering him since he was a freshman in high school. He had a big game, 21 carries, 218 yards, two touchdowns, one catch, 23 yards. It was a big one, too, on a third and nine. Uh, you, you've put on the notes that you think he's now on the Heisman watch. I think he'll start showing up on some lists, but we all know there's no way in hell a running back's winning it. I mean, not in this day and age. I mean, I was still kind of surprised. I mean, because Quinn Ears is on it, too, honestly, the Heisman watch. Yeah, I mean, it is a quarterback-driven sport now. I mean, it's not really just the NFL. It's college and in high school in as high well. school, too, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Brooks, I mean, if he keeps having these 200 yard games, he, he's going to pop up in there. I mean, uh, COVID year, 2020, uh, Devonte Smith wide receiver from yeah. Alabama was a shock to most people, but it was 2020. So a lot of things were going to be off. And, uh, and I think Brooks deserves it. Uh, I mean, Brooks is, you know, I can't think of the guy who took over. I think CJ Baxter guy as a Texas guy, a guy I hadn't even really heard of. And, and you'll have those slip on, on, on you on the roster sometimes. Uh, and I, I remember talking with uh, co-host Grant of sideline to sideline on our high school show. And we were driving to one of the games and we were just like, man, at what point do you stop not giving the ball to Jonathan Brooks? Why, why are you splitting carries when when running back A is, is perfectly fine? But then when running back B is in, you can see the complete difference in how everybody blocks and stuff. And I think you saw that this week uh, going forward. Jonathan Brooks is probably going to get 20 to 30 carries a game. You know, it kind of sucks. I'll be out of town. I'm, I'm not sure if I'll be able to watch this game next weekend, but. I mean, Oklahoma, they have a Heisman Trophy candidate in Dylan Gabriel. UT has a candidate, well, candidates, plural, and they both have great defenses. So I'm not sure what's going to happen in this game. Usually big games like this where they're both undefeated, it's going to be a turnover-filled first half, yep. and then they settle in, and it'll be a, you know, like a 20-something to 23-20 to 20 game at the end. So I'm really excited about this, this game. Hopefully I'll be able to watch it at some point. Well, let's try something a little different on, on this show on the college. Let's go ahead and talk the Oklahoma game, and then we'll just go ahead and give our thoughts on the Texas-Oklahoma game. Oklahoma beat Iowa State 50-20. to Oklahoma's now number uh, is 12th in the AP poll. Uh, they pulled away in that second half. That defense, once again, 
only allowing 82 yards in the first half and then five in the second half. Wait, five first downs in the second half. Excuse me. 82 yards in the second half and five first downs in the second half. Uh, and and it, I, I messaged you after the first quarter and said, <laughs> wow, you know, we, we literally had just talked about the defenses for Iowa State and OU in the last week. And it was like a 20, a 30-something 20 after five minutes into the second uh, quarter. But Oklahoma made the adjustments. And their defense, again, it's not playing the toughest offenses, but their defenses still look good. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to make that comparison to the early to mid-2000s Oklahoma teams where they were really defensive heavy, but it's starting to make me remember those years just because, you know, the last few years, especially with Lincoln Riley, it was just offensive heavy. Just yeah. bring in a, a, a transfer quarterback and they'll be in the Heisman race. You know, Baker with uh, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. They just had their plethora of running or quarterbacks coming in, and they were winning 11, 12 games, but they really didn't have a defense to back it up. Now they kind of do, and I'm kind of curious to see how they handle EUT's offense next week. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the game. It's number three, Texas, versus number 12, Oklahoma, in the Red River shootout rivalry rematch rehab, whatever you want to call the damn game. 11 a.m. kickoff on ABC. So let's talk about that defense. You, you look at that defense uh, on the year, Oklahoma, in five games, they've given up only 300 yards total per game, uh, 212 yards passing allowed. A lot of that's probably in trash time, and they've allowed 100 yards per game. Uh, they beat Arkansas State 73 to nothing, SMU 28 to 11, Tulsa 66 to 17, Cincinnati 20 to 6, and uh, uh, Iowa State last week 50 to 20. All right, Texas. 478 yards offense, 286 through the air, almost uh, 192 on the ground. Defensively, as much as we've talked about Oklahoma, that, uh, Texas has better defensive stats. They've, they're giving up 290 uh, total yards a game, 196 through the air, uh, and they've given up 96 on the ground. And I, I'll, I'll say I think Texas has probably played uh, a little bit tougher of a schedule consist consistently team to team between these two. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about Baylor later, but you know, Baylor, decent team. Rice, hey, they sort of a decent team. They're kind of a mid mid tier D one team. Um, but of course, the big one was the road win in Tuscaloosa, thirty four to twenty four over Alabama. So Texas has played a tougher schedule just by that one game alone. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the funny thing is, uh, I was, you know, scratch or shaking my head when I was thinking about Wyoming beating Tech to start the year. Uh, they have only lost one game, mm -hmm. and that was to Texas, and it was 31-10 to 10 in Austin. So that's kind of – I mean, hey, Wyoming might actually be a legitimate team. No, I, I don't disagree at all. Uh, now, the yes. great thing about this is beating Kansas and OU, they still got a couple of these teams ahead. Texas, even if they lose this game, they still have a clear path to the Big 12 championship, and I, and I still think that the Big 12 champion this year will probably get a spot in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, the ACC is competitive, but I'm not sure if there'll be a team that's going to come out of there. I don't think there's going to be two SEC teams. Georgia has not looked strong at all. I actually think they might get upset this weekend against Kentucky. That's going to be uh, a good game. I, I do think one Big Ten team will come out, one SEC team will come out, one Pac-12 team will come out, I think, for the first time in a while like and if, maybe since Oregon and if the, things, the first year yeah the first year against Auburn uh, when Bo Nix was still 
<laughs> Think about that. Uh, but you know, one joking, Mariota, but yeah. <laughs> one good point. One good point is that um you Pac twelve might have two in contention. Um yeah. uh, it, it really is sad how that conference might go out on one of the strongest years ever by a conference that's dying. I mean, it's it's one of the, yeah, it, um, Washington, a lot of people think they're the best team in college football. USC won't. They have a great offense, but as we'll talk about later, their defense is not that good, and they almost lost that game. Yeah, but why does – I mean, that's fine. Everybody's everybody's talking about that like, okay, uh, so I've got their schedule pulled up. They've got Arizona next. Arizona's okay. Uh, They've got Notre Dame. uh, Then they've got – and this this is a tough – double they've got notre dame and utah back to back then washington oregon and then their rivalry ucla not one of those games to me is a a game where usc can't outscore them i mean they're all they're all 50 50 games but this idea that oh well usc's defense isn't that good that negates them i just i don't think that and i'm not saying you're saying that i've just been reading that after this last game and also let's remember for three quarters they held a vaunted colorado offense to 27 points i mean or or 20 points so do you want to take what they did for three quarters or do you take the last quarter and use that as the gold standard that's where i always get confused in games like this I take the whole game as long as it's not a blowout. Yeah. This was not a blowout. Uh, I really feel that, you know, kudos to, on the, on the flip side, kudos to Deion Sanders and Colorado for being resilient. They still don't have a running game. They still don't have an offensive line. It's all on the quarterback. Yeah. And they almost won this game. It's, but, you know, Colorado also doesn't have a defense as well. So they're just, they were going to be limited. They made some plays. I will say that they did make some good plays. Yeah. But, on defense, uh, that interception that kind of started the the comeback. But yeah, USC, like you talk about their schedule. I don't see them beating Notre Dame. Sam Hartman is a great leader, older, probably as old as Bo Nix, but a great leader nonetheless. And it'll be in South Bend. If Cam Risen's coming back anytime soon, Utah's gonna be formidable. Their defense has kind of carried them this whole season. They had the loss this weekend, their first of the season into Oregon State, but that Utah is a competitive team, especially if Ryzen comes back at quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so let me ask you this, and I know this is unfair uh, comparison, and I, I, I poo-poo it in uh, the high school shows, but I like to do it when it fits my narrative. If Duke and USC played right now, how many points would USC score against Duke? 40, 50? I'll say 35. Okay, minimum 35. I, I still think that they'd yeah. score at will. I, I think USC... Uh, as a Texas fan, USC would still be the one that scares me the most if, if, if Texas breaks through the schedule and gets into the playoff, just because in today's world, Lincoln Riley is still an offensive genius. At Notre Dame, it, it, they had to fight, scratch, and claw for 21 points against Duke. And Duke's a good team, oh. but, but Notre Dame's offense is going to let them down in, in that USC game because as bad as USC's defense is, I think when you play a bad offense – Bad defense still usually tends to beat bad offenses. Uh, I mean, I don't really don't think Notre Dame has a bad offense. I think they just ran into two really good defenses in Duke and Ohio State. And even then, they were still competitive. I, I think with the lesser quarterback, they would have just maybe had a field goal in each game. I agree with that. So. I, I agree with that. It, it kind of feels Notre Dame in a weird way is kind of like Colorado. They're so, and, but not as far as 
putting up a ton of points and a ton of yards, but they're so reliant on their quarterback when they need a third down and five to either figure it out through the through the air or on the legs. And I just – and by the way, by the way, Notre Dame this week has very sneaky Louisville sitting there undefeated 25 in the nation. Jeff Brom doing a wonderful job. We always joke about the guys who go home like Scott Frost and it's not working. Jeff Brom, the former Louisville quarterback, is really quietly building that Cardinal program back up. I don't think people realize – after Teddy Bridgewater, after Jackson, after all that, how far uh, Louisville had fallen for a few years, and he is quietly bringing building them back up. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the games I'm going to be watching or I'm going to be following. Uh, Kentucky is the other one, Kentucky Georgia. Yeah, and then the other one, I'm kind of impressed with Tua's younger brother Talia. Oh which yeah, I didn't know that's how you pronounce his name, but yeah, Talia uh, Tungabaloa. Maryland, they're undefeated, and they have a pretty big contest going to Ohio State. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in that game. I'm rooting for Maryland. Uh, I think Tagovailoa has really took that next step. Yeah, like he's be prepared for the NFL. I think he'll be an NFL quarterback. I but I think he has taken that next step. Um, but yeah, th- those are some of the. So this week it'll be more. I think last week it was more of a. Um, all ranked teams were playing against each other, or at least it was two weeks ago. But the, this week is going to be mostly upstart teams like Missouri, Maryland, Kentucky, Louisville, proving it. Yeah. This will be a proven week for all those teams. Well, and like LSU could get knocked out this week with the Missouri game after what happened against Mississippi. We don't even have time to talk about that game. Um, let's game. Uh, let's uh, speaking of a uh, SEC A and M beats Arkansas. Uh, to uh, 34-22, uh, the old school, as you used to put it in the notes, the wrecking crew, they dominated this game uh, at times. Uh, seven sacks, 15 tackles for losses, held Arkansas to 174 yards. First half especially, they were dominant. Arkansas made some hay in the second half. Uh, but it was just weird because you and I just were talking last week about, you know, you, you, we were curious about how, you know, where is Pittman at, Sam Pittman head coach, in his journey as the head coach of Arkansas. He's made some comments like, you know, I don't want to do this long. I just kind of want to – keep the program going and hand it off. Uh, and then you look at how KJ Jefferson and offense struggled. I, Arkansas is an enigma right now, but so is A&M. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're still getting yardage on offense, but they're, they had to rely on, you know, non-offensive touchdowns to win Good this point. game. So I'm, I'm a little worried. They have a big game. They're another team that, you know, Jimbo Fisher has a big test. He's already beaten Alabama once, but this is going to be another one. So, you know, Alabama goes to College Station this weekend, and they play a And M. I think it's in College Station. Yeah, it is. Double check. Yeah, and Fisher's on the hot seat. I mean, he's going to have to prove it this year. They already have one loss, but they're kind of impressive. They're, uh, you know, they lost Wigman last year or last week for the season, and Max Johnson's in a quarterback. This would be a big test for him. Luckily for him, it'll be at home. Uh, Alabama's starting to seem to figure out what they need to do on offense. They're going to be more defensive and run heavy, like the old early 2010s Alabama. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Fisher needs to prove it. Petrino is going to have to have another big day as offensive coordinator. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in that game, too. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's interesting. I think for A&M, what they also have to do is, if they do pull off that upset again, make it actually count finally. 
I think that's the big issue with the other two upsets of A&M in the, you know, in the what last 15 years, of course, the Johnny Manziel game, and then a couple of years ago, you've got to make them count after that. And that's where they've struggled. And I know A&M that first year ended up in the Cotton Bowl, but at the end of the day, what is – if you're not in the playoff, what's it matter? I mean, it's cool to in the ball. You want to win your ball, and it gives you extra practices. But I'm talking about it's the legacy of your program. Nobody remembers that they beat Oklahoma, they destroyed Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl that year. Yeah, 2012 was the first year in the SEC. They lost two close, ugly home games, and that was it. So, yeah, like going to your point, whenever they beat Alabama, it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, that A&M team, had they just split one of those two losses, they could have been contending for the championship that season. Or, and then you fast forward to 2020, huh? I was going to say, or if they had just stayed in the Big 12, they'd have walked right into the playoffs. I mean, that's I mean, it was yeah. th- that's the big yeah. Aggie curse right there. The Aggies do something which I, I never – I always understood. I got it. Go to the SEC. But it's like you pick the worst possible time because – you literally took yourself out of the because nobody in that Big Twelve in twenty twelve beats te- that that A and M team. That was a year where the SEC was three steps ahead, better than anybody else in the Big Twelve. Menzel to Mike Evans was a great combo that season. They, they had a really dominant offense and they had a little swagger to them. Uh, in twenty twenty, they only lost one game. It was COVID year, but they lost to Alabama, who ended up winning the championship. It's just. It, and they had a big expectations going in 2021 and they kind of pooped the bed, yep. so to speak. So it, they still have a chance this year. I think there's a lot of good teams in the country. So they do need to run the table for sure. Oh, so yeah. It's the SEC. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that if they don't win, Fisher probably is going to have to, talk with AM and AM's probably gonna be like, oh yeah, we wanna buy you out. And we we need something else. <laughs> I, I, agree, I agree, but it is such a big amount of money that even for even if it, you know Texas and AM right now are valued as the richest schools. We're not athletic partners. We're not talking about the people who actually do the buyouts. That's the the big money donors and both schools are completely loaded with that. But even at Texas, if they were having to pay off an, another 80 million and then go find another coach that you're going to have to offer at least $25 million to. Uh, that's tough, man. I, I, I think they're almost – I think he's actually in a better shape than people realize this year because I still think AM is making excuses to keep – because every year you keep him, you take a big chunk of that money off. You take a big chunk of that money off. But anyway – we don't, we'll talk about that in the offseason. Uh, all right, let's finish up with some Big 12 from last week. Hey, West Virginia, man, I, they're not pretty. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not doing great things, but they're doing just enough in each game as they get another big win as they beat TCU 24-21. to Defense reigned again in the second half for West Virginia, but their, their injuries are starting to pile up, Noe. Yeah, uh, you know, two guys, Aubrey Brooks, or Aubrey Burks, their safety, he had neck issues. They took him to the hospital, but he was able to walk, and he, he feels, you know, his extremities and all that. So he was able to walk out of the hospital. He was fine. Uh, the other key injury is uh, their linebacker Trey Lathan. Yeah, he had a leg injury. He had surgery. I think he's still in Fort Worth as of today, but the things that might have changed. Uh, hopefully, they'll both recover 100. percent um, But I mean, having said that, they kind of rallied around that. Neil Brown, the head coach, he's kind of in his make or break year as well, like with Jimbo Fisher and you know, they're, they're four and one now and they rallied around the injuries. They shut out TCU in Fort Worth in the second half. 
uh, it, it was just a great comeback. They were they were down, and I, I have no idea how they're forming. They're not playing that great. There, it's a little bit of luck. I mean, think about the Texas Tech win. Yeah, uh, you know, Tech quarterback Tyler Shook got hurt and he's out for the year, and that kind of led to Tech losing that game. So there's a little bit of luck, but hey, every team has luck. You know, I, I keep – this is just how it is with me in the Big 12 this year because, you know, you're not – because of the size of the conference, not everybody's playing everybody. And, and I keep looking going, why are all these teams playing uh, UCF? Oh, that's right. They're in the conference because Texas, outside of uh, BYU, Texas pretty much just got all the old schools again. Uh, the rest of the – and Houston. Uh, the rest of their schedules, Oklahoma, Houston, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech. So outside of BYU, you know, because Texas has played Houston enough in the non-con last 25 years, uh, that no, schedule looks normal. So the, the, I keep forgetting that UCF is still in there. But West Virginia, I mean, they're 2-0 in the conference. Uh, you know, that, that loss to Penn State wasn't a terrible loss. It was like 38-15. Uh, and now they've they're in Houston now, and this is where it's going to be tough for for them. And it's always been tough for them inside this conference. Noe is when you're having to go back to back to Texas from West Virginia. Yeah, it's it's not the NFL where you could just stay there for two weeks and to cut out your travel time. Uh, they have school. They got to fly back to Morgantown for that. You got to fly right back. That, that might be they they could very well lose just because of jet lag yeah. and just tired or they'll start off the first half very sluggish but you know what you, you brought up UCF and they had their big 12 home opener this weekend against Baylor yes given how Baylor has been playing this season you think that'd be a great game to have as your your homecoming your your home opener and for most of this game that's kind of how it started uh, you know UCF was up what 35 to 7 on yeah. Baylor you know, typically that would be over. You abandon the running game. For Baylor, that's their asset. You know, uh, they got two really good running backs there. And um, lo and behold, <laughs> somehow, some way, Baylor <laughs> comes back from 28 points down, scored 29 unanswered points, and Baylor wins 36 35. Yeah. You know, I was kind of marking it. I always like to mark out some things. Like I'll, I'll, I'll say to you, like yesterday, I said, Hey, put on the run sheet about Christian McCaffrey. So when I Saturday was rolling around and I saw that first half score, I was like, Hey, is, is UCF a sneaky dark horse for the big 12? If Oklahoma and Texas falters, because you know, they lost to Kansas state to start their big 12, but it was 44 31. Uh, and, and that was a game and it wasn't that UCF scored trash points at the end. In fact, they were, uh, they, they started strong and then just, they were actually just consistent the whole game, 10 in the first seven in the second, seven and third, seven and fourth. They just stopped being able to stop Kansas state in that second half. Uh, and so I, I was scribbling, Hey, you know, is it, it are they a team you don't want to go, you know, go into Florida when it's 78 degrees in November with hundred percent humidity. Whoa, whoa, got some sounds there. There we go. Sorry. Um, Sometimes these stupid ads will run automatically, but uh, yet here we go. Baylor with the miracle, you know, fourth quarter scoring three touchdowns and a field goal. Uh, you you kind of wonder if that erased the curse of Kevin Steele. I don't know if you know that story, but when Kevin Steele was a head coach, uh, Baylor was going in for the win against UNLV. They had the win and he wanted to, instead of just kneeling on the ball, he wanted to emphatically, you know, 
start the win off or the the year off with Baylor dominating a win, and we're going to go from there. And they proceeded to fumble, and UNLV recovered it and scooped and scored and won the game on a 98 yard scoop, you know, fumble recovery. I wonder if maybe this finally washed that curse away uh, because this was a crazy fourth quarter. I went and watched it in uh, fast time, and I mean, it, it, UCF just never had the ball. Yeah, I. I, you know, I remember so much about sports and then I forget a lot of stuff about sports. I don't even remember that, but that's like something house. I would remember. It's on a great block. Treeland. Uh, and Baylor's head coach now that he was on the hot seat as well. And this is kind of a big win for him. <laughs> kind of a save my job win. Yeah, uh, I, I really think it was. Uh, yeah, 2000 UNLV's Kevin Thomas returned a 99 yard fumble with no time remaining. As the Rebels beat uh, Baylor twenty-seven to twenty-four. Uh, in fact, uh, I guess in two thousand nine, when they were doing Big 12's biggest like top twenty-five moments, it was the twenty-fifth moment in, in uh, Big Twelve history. It was pretty big at the time. It's one of those that gets lost the time, but it was just more the ironically of you know that you have the win. You just but we'll talk about that in the NFL. Actually, we'll talk. There's a team that was about to get their first damn win of the year, and all you got to do is kick a field goal, and you try to get smart. But we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, anyway, to wrap up the college. We talked a little bit about the LSU Ole Miss. Uh, just real quick, Ole Miss wins 55 to 49. They have there's 1300 yards uh, combined yards, 14 touchdowns, two late lead changes. Both quarterbacks were a stud. Uh, Jackson Dart, great quarterback name, 26 to 39, 389 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Jaden Daniels, uh, 414 yards. Uh, 99 yards rushing and a touchdown uh, on the ground, fourth through the air. And remember, Jackson Dart was an LSU uh, commit. So that th th that was just a fun, fun game right there. You always get one of those in the SEC every year now. Yeah. I mean, they're becoming more offensive heavy. And a lot of with all these teams, they kind of just switch from defense to offense. And kind of nice to see some of these uh, whack scores from back in the day. Whack. Whack, it's where it's at. You know where it's at now? Right now, we're going to turn our attention to the NFL. As NFL Week 4 has come and gone, except for the Monday night game tonight between uh, the Seahawks and the Giants. All right, so let's uh, let's do like we normally do, and let's start outside of the Cowboys world, and, and we'll work our way towards them. Um, the Bills with a statement win against the Dolphins, the team that scored 70 last week. But nobody was talking about, hey, the Bills absolutely – dog snapped a, a, a Washington team that took Philadelphia to the mat this week. And you could make the case, maybe probably should have at least gone for two at the end and tried for the win. Uh, but Buffalo, you know, they quietly rolled, but because of what the dolphins had done, they got all of the press and Buffalo man. <laughs> damn. When they look good, they look good. Yeah. They're the team that can actually match up with Miami speed wise. But the only difference is Buffalo has a really good defense as of right now compared to Miami and they, they kind of showed Miami had to Miami play catch up, yeah. which is their, that's not something they're used to. Usually a, a team with a great offense like that, they don't have to play catch up, but Miami was intimidated by Buffalo's defense because they knew eventually Milano and uh, unfortunately Tredavious White probably gonna be out for the year with a torn Achilles. Dude, that's big. I guess Achilles are the big injury this year. We always get one injury every year that kind of, the, the whole league gets hit by, and it looks like it's going to be Achilles in it. But I, let's not. That's big. For as great as this win is, that I feel takes a lot of the air out of that win. Because, you know, it kind of hurt Buffalo last year outside of their offensive line play, which has been very good this year, uh, was the fact that they weren't getting pressure after Von Miller got hurt. And now he's starting to come back. He might be able to mask some of the 
future deficiencies their secondary is going to have without White. Yeah. But, I mean, Buffalo has a great defense. They're fast. They're well-coached. Of course, their offense, as long as they can protect Josh Allen, there's so many weapons. And they really haven't even used their rookie tight end, Dalton Kincaid, yet. So I'm really excited to see what they do in the second half of the season when they start rounding into form. Yeah. They've been, they, they, they had the crushing loss to the Jets, but they had three straight blowouts. Um, going back to what you said about Washington, I, I think a lot of people didn't expect Washington to come out and play so competitively against Philadelphia. Yeah, that's though, true. Even though it's a divisional matchup, you didn't really expect that. But, hey, kudos to Sam Howell. Kudos to Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator. They had a great game plan. Unfortunately, their defense didn't really show up. And, you know, Hertz wasn't really thrown for many yards the first few games of the season, and he had over 300 yards this game. They just did not defend A.J. Brown at all, and he he went off. Yeah, he, he's sometimes undefendable, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, I think Washington might have been more focused on stopping DeAndre Swift because he's kind of come on and think he's leading the league in rushing, if not him, McCaffrey, but probably McCaffrey. But, you know, Swift is having a great start to the year. Philadelphia was kind of leaning on that. But this shows how dangerous Philadelphia is. If they can't run the ball, they got enough talent at receiver and at tight end to uh, just loft it. They're, they are a big play team when it comes to the passing game. So, you know, you negate that, you can basically control Philadelphia. But you need a, t- a defense that can, you know, play their safeties back to stop Brown and Devontae, White, or Devontae Smith but also a great and stout defensive line to stop the running game. Yeah. They can beat you two ways. You, you got that. You, you control Philadelphia on offense. Uh, I will say this about Washington's defense. People need to be paying attention. Chase Young now has two and a half sacks uh, on the year. Um, I know he has, that's not the numbers like Micah Parsons and all, but for a guy that, you know, we thought three years ago would be at the top, you know, at this point, if you'd asked me, I would I just said he's where Micah Parsons is. I thought Chase Young was going to be that transition, you know, that transient player, and he still could be. But I think he's responding. And I'll go back to what I said: Washington's a quarterback away, and you can see it in this game. Washington's a quarterback away. They're really, really good. Now the problem is, is by the time they get a quarterback and they're able to develop him and all that, will the roster be aging out? Because you know, Terry McLaurin's now played what four years. I mean, and that's your big deep threat. Brian Robinson Jr., this is his second year. Um, but, like, the offensive line, Logan Thomas, he's, what, seven, eight-year vet at this point. Uh, and I just – it, it just – you kind of go, man, Washington, you, you got to – you got to figure out the quarterback situation. And I know Sam Howe threw for 290 yards, but he was 29 of 41, and at times he still just looks terrible. I, I just don't think he's a, an NFL starting quarterback. I think he's a good backup. Yeah, kind of like with the Sunday night game. Uh, there was a couple of drives where Sam Howell looked elite, but the rest of it was kind of ho-hum to yeah. your point. Um, yeah, I mean, McLaurin's 28 this year. He's, this is fifth season. Fifth year, yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely in the final. Well, he has a couple more elite years before decay starts. So, I mean, we'll see what Washington does. I, I think if they don't make the playoffs – they're going to definitely look at the quarter. If Sam Hallow doesn't have an incredible second half, I think they'll start thinking about what they got to do in that position going forward. Well, and let's not forget, this is a new organization as far as the owners. They didn't hire Ron Rivera. And just like with a GM, if the owners come in and you, none of their guys are in control, they're going to 
they're going to probably want to put their guys in control at one point. And, I, I, and so Ron Rivera, I, I think, I think Ron Rivera, it's weird. I think in one aspect, he's as a coach, he's done really good. He's brought Washington back to being relevant, but the, the, the lack of, des, of, of truly developing a quarterback just blows my mind because I mean, as, as close as I think they are this year, I, I legitimately think last year they could have won the division with a good quarterback. They were playing lights out defense uh, and they were not, you know, but but you would get them in like that Dallas game in uh, in Dallas last year, where the the the, the bad quarterback Taylor Heineke, you could just you could t- take the game away from them, uh, and that's what they did. But anyway, uh, let's see. Hey, speaking of good quarterback play, Houston thirty, Pittsburgh six. Uh, is Houston ahead of the schedule? Uh, I mean, as far as I can tell, they, you know, you you take out that first game against Baltimore and that first half against the Colts, they've been playing great on offense ever since Had a great game against Jacksonville. And then they had a really, really good game against a really good Steeler defense. Uh, I mean, CJ Stroud, you know, he had over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. Uh, They didn't really have to rely on the running game as much, but they ran it 38 times for 139 yards. Uh, Nico Collins, you know, instead of, you know, looking at, you know, relying on Robert Woods, some of their free agent acquisitions, they got Nico Collins, a guy they had last year, seven catches, two touchdowns. Schultz got a touchdown from Devin Singletary. Yeah, that was pretty. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. Uh, Mechie starting to get some wraps. Tang Dell didn't really have much of a game, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's a scary to know that Houston can win by 24 points and not need Tank Dell. God, so yeah. And then, as you can see, there's their secondary starting to round out as these injured guys starting to come back. Jimmy Ward had a pretty good game. Will Anderson, of course, had a great game. Didn't really need him as much. Uh, but, yeah, once you see their secondary start to get there, uh, Shaquille Griffin, he'll he'll be a sneaky pro bowler this year, a corner for the for the Texans. Uh, but, yeah, Pittsburgh, they look bad. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback because Pickett's hurt. Um, and not like he was having a great game against the Texans. I, I think they're – I think at the end of – by season's end, Texans will have a defense in the top half of the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as, as long as they remain healthy. But, yeah, I don't know what Pittsburgh is going to do with Pickett, Hurt. I'm not sure how long he'll be out. Um, Trubisky was never really – he's a solid backup, not really a starter. So, yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, Najee Harris kind of played with some motivation in the second half, but it just really wasn't enough. They, they still need some parts on that team. But, but, really, it could just be a situation – like with Washington where they just need a really good quarterback and that's it with Houston. They got to, they also need to rebuild that line. Um, not necessarily pass protection, but Damon Pierce had his season high 81. God dang it. That's so annoying. Jesus. Uh, Damon Pierce had, uh, his best game of the year, 81 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. Um, so they, they're going to have to figure that out. You figure that out. And I think this, Offense becomes extremely scary. Stroud, 306 yards, two touchdowns. As you talked about, Nico Collins is starting to show himself. Seven catches, 168 yards. Uh, and you look at the standings, uh, and it's so crazy. You know, we said the AFC South, it's going to be weird. And they're all at two and two, and they've all looked good at times, and they've all looked really bad at times. Uh, and, and that's why, for all the talk about how Tennessee struggled, and everybody's like, well, you know, dude, this this division is going to allow every one of these teams to feel like they have a shot all the way into maybe even the last week of the season. Yeah. I mean, even the Colt Texan game, 
you notice the uh, Tunsil didn't play in that game. Yep. So that was another contributing factor. But yeah, good and bad team or looking bad games by all these teams. I can see any of them winning the division, to be honest with you. It's it's just kind of shocking to me that what we thought was going to be the worst division in football is turning out to be one of the better divisions in football. I still, no, I still think it's going to be pretty bad by the end of the day. Uh, I mean, because the, the, when they lose, even if they lose to each other, when these teams lose, they look really bad losing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Tennessee, they lost twenty-seven to three last week to Cleveland, and they won twenty-seven to three this week against Cincinnati. It's just a, a tale of two teams. You know, Henry had twenty yards last week. This week he had over a hundred. Yep, and threw for a touchdown. So. And, and threw for a touchdown. Yeah, and and so uh, we said it was going to at least be fun, and it is. It definitely is going to be fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, let's let's talk about the zero and threes, uh, Denver. <laughs> maybe I am not kidding when I say this, maybe a season saving win as oh, yeah. they pulled off to come back down 28, seven, they come all the way back to win uh, at times that offense, you, you're starting to see all jokes aside about dolphin or dolphin. <laughs> that had been even funnier Bronco country. Let's ride and all that. You know, yeah. Russell Wilson's not been terrible. He's already thrown for a thousand yards. He has nine touchdowns and, and you're starting to see where that offense is, 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 is breaking out. It's just the calamity of errors of this defense. So we all thought the defense was going to be the strong point. Yeah, going in, everybody thought they were going to be healthy and ready to go. And with a healthy um, uh, Randy Gregory, you really thought Denver was going to just dial up the pass rush and no fly zone part two. Patrick Sertan, the second back there, and uh, Justin Simmons and all that. And it just has not been the case. I mean, they let Miami score 70 points on them. Uh, to be honest with you, in these early games of the year, I always think any of these teams that are 0-2, 0-3, they look that bad. I'm like, how are they going to ever win a game? Yeah. I really thought this was going to be an easy win for Denver. And then, man, kudos to Justin Fields. I don't know if it's Denver's defense or Justin Fields is finally mm-hmm. starting to figure it out. But, I mean, Fields, nearly flawless game. Yeah, but the problem is, is and it's unfortunate for him, the one mistake was so big that's the issue that he's going through. Like he was 28 to 35, 335 yards, his first 300 yard game of his career, four touchdowns, one interception. But again, that one interception was big. He was sacked four times. A couple of those were, you've got to get rid of the ball plays. Um, I was impressed that he had such success through the air and didn't even run the ball a lot Four carries 25 yards. If, If he's going to develop, Going forward, that's a good sign. He needs to be a weapon running. Don't get me wrong, but you've got to be able to pick apart defenses that drop, that keep their linebackers watching you to force them to drop into coverage. Then that gives you more running lanes. But I'm going to go to the decision. Um, that's what I was going to go to. Yeah, Bears fourth quarter, a couple minutes left. I, I they have a chance to kick field goal to go up. Uh, I, I get. And you've given up 17 points at this point in the fourth quarter, so you're you're definitely just like you're treading water, if not sinking, and you're looking for any kind of of, of something to hold on to. And to give Fields credit, that was a really good drive to answer back. But fourth down and one, kick the field goal, and I know you leave a lot of time in today's NFL, but you don't go for it. And if you're going to go for it with Justin Fields on a fourth and short. You, you, you don't just – I mean, you, you've got to do something better than hand off to Khalil Herbert, who's up into this game not really done anything this year. 
Yeah, he really hasn't. And today he had over 100 yeah, yards. Yeah, he was great so. today, but still, you just – you've got Justin Field. I mean, that's when you use your guy that runs. Somebody was talking about it in college. I was reading, getting ready for the show, and they talked about uh, in college the – the go the fourth down conversions have dropped a little this year. Last year it was sixty nine percent. This year it's sixty three percent. That doesn't sound like a lot, but seven percent, six percent is a pretty big drop, um, or, or you know however you want to call that. But uh, I the the thing he said though is that he doesn't feel that it's bad decisions going for it. It's that these coaches are overthinking it on what play to run. And I'm a hundred percent believe it. Justin Fields, it's a bootleg all day long. You get him one-on-one I, with 90% of linebacker safeties in the NFL, he should win that battle. You just do that, and then then maybe I understand going for it. But to go for it with that play, you knew right then, ah, oh, they just lost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fields is fast enough and big enough to get that one yard. And if not, just have Cole Komet go out there, who had a really good game. Just have him go out there as a second option. Yeah, run pass option. Yeah. Yeah, RPL. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a bad loss. Great offensive performances from their, you know, Herbert. It was a DJ great Moore. game too. It was a fun game. It, it again, it goes back to what you and I. I, I always I, my old man moment is that we're too worried about who wins champions in today's era. Everything's all about if you if you don't win a champion, you're trash. You're not worth it. This was a battle between two and zero three teams, and it was just a legitimately fun game to watch as a third party. Oh, it really was. I mean, I'm just glad it wasn't the Cowboys in this game. I'd have been on pins and needles. For which, so. I mean, either way, you still, if you're the Cowboys in this game, you'd still feel bad. If you won, great, but you still looked shitty for three and a half quarters. Or if you lost, well, damn it, you look great for three and a half quarters and you still found a way to get. Let's stop. Why do we do this to ourselves? We, we are so scarred. We put Dallas in positions that they aren't even in just to feel the pain of it. Uh, but yeah, so I, just that, that just shows you where. Uh, these two programs are, uh, I, I still, I, I, I am more surprised with Denver being bad defensively. Um, yeah. uh, cause I mean, I, I think their offense, I mean, on, on the season, they, they, they lost to the Raiders 17, 16 again, first game weird things. They scored 33 against the commanders. They scored 20 against the dolphins. Again, that's a 70 to 20 that game. And then they score 31. So their offense is fine. It's their defense. And the thing is, is it's not like they had a lot of changes again. They literally came in as, Hey, this is one of the better defenses in the league. Yeah, I mean, they were a top 10 defense. A lot of people credited them with keeping them in those games last season. Yeah. But, you know, this year they're, they're they're scoring more on offense. They're playing much better on offense. They just Their defense is just bending over and falling flat. Yep. Uh, and you just have to wonder, is that, you know, Sean Payton, you know, the Saints defense increasingly got worse as he, their his career was there to the point where they were scoring with anybody, but they couldn't stop anybody. Then as last year, a young defense was starting to form, and now we still kind of see New Orleans, even though they lost Marcus Davenport to Minnesota, you see where they still have a really good de- defense. For Denver, I don't know, maybe they just have to go in a shootout mode the rest of the season. And the thing is, is they've got the Jets this week. Uh, and then we talked about this last week. If they won this game, you win next week. You're you're two and four or two and three. And yeah, you do have a you've got the Chiefs, the Packers, the Chiefs. You win the Packers. Even if you lose to the Chiefs, you're you're coming out of that three and four, and, and you're legitimately back in it as far as a chance to 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 be in the playoff race. Yeah, Sean Payton is a veteran coach. He needs to relay that point to the team. Hey, look, the season's not over. We can always start fresh. Even the eighty-five Bears. 
they were, of course, you know, 15 and one, but they their defense was not that good the first few games of the year. And then the last, yeah. yeah, they took a wild round out when, when once they did, they were lights out. So there's still hope that this defense could probably turn it around before season's end. Uh, anyway, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I was thinking, uh, you know, there's a lot of other games to go over. I was kind of impressed, just some of the like the the single individual performances. Yeah. I was most probably impressed with Khalil Mack. Oh yeah. With Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I even, I wrote the note to you about McCaffrey. We need to remember how great he is. I think that gets lost. Uh, and because, you know, his first three years he was wasted in Carolina and then with San Francisco, let's be honest, they'd still be four and without him, but yeah. he wasn't added to beat the Cardinals of the world. He's he's there to beat the Cowboys, to beat the Eagles, to possibly beat the Chiefs, the Bills, whoever is in the Super Bowl. Uh, and in a game like this, and let's be fair, uh, the the Cardinals like had six defensive starters out, you know, and, and that's one of those that Matt, what, Mike, why couldn't y'all have done it like that last week? And, and why'd y'all have to all be playing last week? But but they they had starters out, and and you can tell with the Cardinals this year. Um, if you allow them to stay in the game like Dallas did, they're going to give you a spirited fight. If you can wear them down early, it's really hard for them to answer back. And that's what San Francisco did. San Francisco just went out and kind of did what Dallas did to New England, but with better offense, just went out and just didn't allow the Cardinals to ever feel like they were in the game. Well, kudos to Gannon, though, because they did get it to 21-16 yes. at one point. But you still but never was- felt like it was they were in the game. If I right, didn't, at least. Yeah, I mean, it was 21-16. It still looked like it was a two-score game. Yeah. Because you knew San Francisco was going to respond back. It, it, the most, the scariest thing about the 49ers right now is they don't really need to rely on any one player anymore. Their, their Swiss Army knife, Debo Samuel, had, he wasn't even really playing. He was just more of a blocker in this game. I know because I had him in some <laughs> fantasy leagues, and I suffered because of it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they just know how to game plan depending on what the defense – Shows them. So one week it'll be Brandon Ayuk, like in week one. Another will be that Thursday night game against the Giants in week two or three. No, yeah, week three where Debo Samuel goes off. And then on Sunday it was uh, Christian McCaffrey with four touchdowns, over 100 yards rushing. He was just there. I mean, they really didn't need to do anything else outside of just hand him the ball. Yeah. All right. So, so you, you wanted to bring up Khalil Mack. He had, Mack does this. You know, Mac has done this his whole career, and you kind of wonder if maybe sometimes his 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 one games kind of prop up his season. Because I mean, he went from having no sacks to six sacks. I mean, now he's now on pace to you know get like twelve sacks, and that's a good you know where he's at in his career. That's a good stat. But a couple of years ago, he did that. I can't remember if, if it was against Green Bay, but I, I just remember when he was still a Bear, he did the same thing. He had like four or five sacks his in a game. Very first game. His very yes. first game was a Sunday night game in 2018 against the Packers. And he had like four sacks or something like that. I think he had a TD too. And yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was the craziest first half. Uh, the Packers ended up coming back and winning, but the Bears ended up winning the division that year. Yeah. And he was defensive player of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, just that, that, that's just kind of, a, it's, it's cool. I like it. I, I love sack records. You know, we, we've talked about it. Both of us, our favorite players tend to be edge rushers. Uh, I think it's cool, but I, I think, again, that's a little bit of fool's gold uh, for, for first San Diego going forward, just like this game was. I mean, you, you, I, I know you're at home is not really at home, but it, you can't beat a, a, a Raider team that's starting a, a rookie quarterback by better than seven points um, 
you know, it just – I don't know. The Chargers just – even when they win, they just – they look better in their losses most of the time than they do in their wins, oddly enough. Anytime they play the Chiefs in Kansas City and it's like a three-score game and they look, you know, fantastic running, going up and down the field and then they barely lose, I'm like, okay, that's the team that could compete for a Super Bowl. Exactly. And then they let the Raiders' defense look good, which is very hard to do right now. Uh, I don't even want to talk about Chandler Jones or not, but, uh, you know, just even with him in the lineup or not in the lineup, it doesn't matter. The Raiders are still a few years away from having a legitimately good defense. I mean, they're, they're once again, every five years, they're in a teardown. I mean, that's yeah. all, that's the only way they can go. You, yeah. you don't, and Chandler Jones was arrested once again. He's obviously have has, and, and, you know, we, we all do it. We can say we don't, you, you immediately go CTE. Um, but he's just mentally, he is just, he, he's collapsed over the last nine months, nine to 12 months. Uh, he was arrested for, I think, stalking or, or, or talking to somebody who uh, on restraint or something like that. But he had been, for the week before, had been kind of uh, what's going on with Chandler Jones, some of the things he's been saying on social medias and stuff. We just hope he gets better. I mean, football aside, just, you know, again, this, this is what this sport, we, we got to come to terms with on what this sport can do to people. Uh, now going back into football, uh, Justin Herbert breaks a finger on his left hand. He'll be fine. But again, what let me ask you this and we'll end the, we'll end the non cowboy segment with this because we're going to be we the cowboys are going to be playing the chargers uh, next week or after you know next monday night when you'll be here in studio the 16th when you look at justin herbert what do you think of as a as a pro nfl his nfl career what do you think of with him hasn't reached his full potential yet but is that his fault is he because I kind of feel like he's he's not getting the he's not getting the blame, which is again I think a lot of it's because he's not the quarterback of the Cowboys and he was such a high pick, but he is starting to kind of have a Tony Romo style career where you you just feel like he's dragging teams that are seven and ten and, and putting them in playoff contention, but then in the games when you really 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 need him. He doesn't disappear, but he doesn't perform that great. I was mostly impressed with his rookie year in 2020. Yeah. And that's when I thought that he didn't really have much talent around him and he was just slinging it around and making players look good that really weren't that good. Uh, now he has a healthy Keenan Allen. I know Mike Williams is out, but they drafted Quentin Johnson. They got Josh Palmer. They got, they're, they're committed to running the ball, so that will protect him some. And I'm just not understanding. He paid this guy all this money. He has a prototypical quarterback build, a cannon of an arm, plays indoors, so that won't affect his throwing. Yep. I just don't see – they have a lot of talent on that team. To me, it's more coaching. I agree. I really, yeah, I don't really know if Brandon Staley is the long-term solution. Well, and, and I'll say this about Staley and the coaching. It's not the Monday through Friday. They always seem to – and all the jokes aside about uh, Keenan Moore, uh, he's got – or Kellen Moore, excuse me. He's got a uh, – he, he's a good offensive coordinator. 
There's no doubt yeah. about that. I, there's things I would love for him to adjust in certain things just pertaining to what he did with the Cowboy personnel, but the guy's going to be coaching for a long time. He'll eventually be a head coach. He might even be, eventually end up being a head coach with the Chargers. But I, I, Monday to Friday, their, their coaching seems to be great. It's simply the game to deci- in game decisions that Staley and I'm going to say and his staff makes because we all want to blame head coaches, but he's got people in his ear that he trusts and they're telling him stuff. Uh, so I, I think it's the game day stuff. It could very well possibly be. I mean, in this game, you have to respect Max Crosby, but until they have a legitimate second pass rusher, teams should just double team him and just leave him there because. The, the no no like the, the Raiders don't only really have a second guy yet Tyree Wilson I think he's still out um, oh no he actually played in this game but I mean he he had a he had one tackle still not gonna be that Pro Bowl pass rusher that Max Crosby really needs yeah in order to excel. Uh, so yeah having said that you know they didn't really do too much on offense they ran the ball well but throwing the ball 150 yards combined so it wasn't like yeah, I, I don't get that when they just do that same thing to Minnesota last week where Keenan Allen went off. Yeah. Can't do it to the Raiders team that's not as good as Minnesota this year and on defense. Maybe it's but, just that whole rivalry game, you know, the Raiders know him, all that fun stuff. That's probably why Washington was competitive against the Eagles. Yeah, well, I, well but Washington beat the uh, Eagles last year on Monday night. Yeah, the Eagles were undefeated. Yep. That was our first loss of the season. We were laughingly watching that game together through the uh, the internet world. All right, let's go ahead and turn our attention to the Dallas Cowboys. As once again, they prove that when they win, and I've been saying this for a while, uh, the last couple of years, when Dallas wins, they, they usually it's a feast or famine and they feisted as they beat new England 38 to thir- uh, three, two defensive touchdowns. Uh, this was the worst loss in Bill, Bill Belichick's career as a head coach that blows my mind. Uh, it was also the, the worst halftime deficit he'd ever been in, in his career. Uh, it's the 10th straight home win. That's something that even you and I really haven't talked about because one of the big knocks on Cowboys stadium is because it's so big. It's easier for, non-cowboy fans to to get tickets to the game you tend to it's not as bad as san diego or la chargers as by any stretch but there are always going to be a good amount of visitor fans in the stands but dallas has quietly started to do what you're supposed to do at home and win those games yeah turnovers last three years have been very important for the cowboys they're i think one of the only teams that can consistently get turnovers year to year uh, thanks to dan quinn thanks to the personnel they've gotten uh, over the last few years, it was great defensive effort, but it could have been a situation where, for you know, a third win, they had, they played against an inferior quarterback who made some costly mistakes, like throwing across the field. Yeah, it, it, it worked once. Well, I, but you the wrong plan was going to make sure it didn't work a second. Well, time. it is funny you say that because uh, I was sitting there talking with the fiance. She has knows nothing about football. Uh, but I pointed out after the first one, I'm like, he's going to try that again, and it's going to be intercepted. And a drive later, as soon as he rolled out, I was like, here it comes. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's bad quarterback play. Um, and, and But do you go, okay, is it bad quarterback play because he's bad, or is it bad quarterback play because Dallas is forcing it? I, I thought the Patriots, and I thought Mac Jones handled the pressure really well. He was quick to step up. 
And that's the thing about Dallas that still concerns me with their pass rush. If you get a quarterback that moves, and you saw it a little bit with Zach Williams. I, I want to say you saw it with Joshua Dobbs, but a lot of his was just that one big bootleg. But if it, it, Dallas doesn't always get a good enough push or at least stabilize the middle so the quarterback can't step up. They've got to work on that because Mac Jones, if he could have run a little better, he could have probably – had sustained some drives because he had some open lanes to run at times because he stepped up off the pass rush. Yeah. And that was kind of their big commitment this offseason was to improve the run defense, improve the interior defense. And you see against Arizona and, you know, a couple of plays here in this game against the Patriots are still lacking. And it kind of makes me worry. Well, the run defense played. looked good this week though. Cause you knew, you know, they, yeah. They, they did. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried about games like next Sunday night against the 49ers or against the Eagles. You know, le legitimately really good team that can run the ball and they can establish the run. Did Dallas really make any of the improvements that they should have? Well, okay. So let's talk. Let's talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of lean into blurring the lines between next week's game and, and talking the Patriots. But let's go back to last year's playoff game. A Dallas team that gave up a ton of yards in the run game. They didn't shut down San Francisco, but they didn't. The run game never was the issue in, in that game, the run defense. Um, I think Dallas actually decently matches up well for what the, the Niners want to do run game-wise. Where Dallas is going to struggle, and, and, and I think, again, this is why Dan Quinn and them, it's a priority but not priority A, is if, if you're going to run up the center's butt. A gaps. That's where Dallas will struggle. If you're running B to C to D, as long as everybody's playing gap responsibility, which they didn't do against the Cardinals, but they did yesterday, you're not going to run well. And if you think about the Niners, they like to run off tackle, but they like to run off that edge a lot. They like to do things right off the, the tackles hips. And I think Dallas actually defends that part. Well, and to your point, if, if, we're, if we're just talking about the playoffs, game against the 49ers last couple of years. It wasn't like the 49ers just destroyed Dallas. Oh, no. Especially in the game last season in Candlestick. They – Candlestick. Um, oh. So by either. What was the name of their stadium? Uh, it's in Santa Clara. The, the yeah. Santa Clara Stadium. We'll just go with that. that. <laughs> uh, Brock Purdy got held in check. Cowboys defense was not the reason they lost. Levi Stadium. Levi. Levi, okay. It yeah, was definitely Levi's. an offense. It was turnovers and ability to just move the ball. Those uh, <laughs> those Kellen Moore plays that you love to talk about. Yeah. Okay, so in saying that, great segue. I'll go ahead and say it. I know from 20 to 20 they're, they're looking decent, but even then I just – I don't like the philosophy of the offense this year. I don't like – I don't think a true West Coast works anymore because safeties and linebackers are so much faster. The, the, the West Coast worked because you were putting guys that can run after the catch in spaces to where you were matched – like you're running a slant to Jerry Rice. I'm just going to use an example. You're running a slant to Jerry Rice. He's going he's gonna to be able to break the safeties tackle and outrun the linebackers. You can't do that anymore. Linebackers and safeties are all the same size now. Look at Micah Parsons. That, you know, that was the thing everybody talked about his rookie year, and it still remains true. You could play him out at safety, and he, he plays defensive end. So the, the West Coast, just it's not able to do the catch and run. This offense is just so stagnant, and it gets really stagnant in the red zone, and it gets really conservative in the red zone. You know, we got to stop just throwing to tight ends in the red zone. We got to start throwing to the damn wide receivers. 
Yeah, C.D. Lamb caught the first touchdown for a wide receiver for the Cowboys this year. Outside the 22. Yeah. Most of the season, especially in their wins, they've won because of defensive turnovers. Yep. Um, they kind of just play more of a vanilla offense at this point. I'm actually surprised Dallas got any production from the tight end position at all. Uh, you know, I was looking at that one first drop by uh, Schoonmaker or, or Ferguson. I can't remember which one. But you could tell it would have been a touchdown had he just looked at the ball. Yep. But in the slow motion, you could see him. The ball was hitting his fingertips, and then he started looking away from yeah. the ball. He's worried about who was going to hit him or how he's going to fall. So, uh, but having said that, I mean, Jake had a good game. Jake Ferguson seven catches, seventy three yards. Uh, that's a little better, but but I still you. It was it was Schoonmaker. I remember it was the yeah. opening drive or one of the early drives and. Dak threw a beautiful ball to him in the end zone. And he just dropped it. Yep. And and you just can't, you know, you can't have that against a game like we're about to have. San Francisco, this is Sunday night. Um, all right, let's work backwards. Who do you think wins? And then let's work from there. Uh, Sunday night, San Francisco hosts Dallas. Mm-hmm. I think it's early in the season, so it's one of those where – it doesn't really matter who wins this year. I mean, it matters. It matters for, for the press and all that kind of crap for the yeah. week after. I, I, I think the teams that play this Sunday night will not be the same teams that play come January. Exactly. Having said that, as of right now, what I'm saying, I think San Francisco wins. It, it'll be a close game. I think Purdy will struggle like he did in the playoff. Uh, I think Dallas will somehow figure out a way to control the running game. I think what will kill Dallas will be a couple of big plays in the passing game, kind of what happened in the playoff game. I know how I said that. I think, I think Dak's going to have a more turnover free game. Yeah. Than he did in the playoffs. It'll be much more competitive in that regard, but I think it could be like a Jake Moody field goal with seconds left that ends up winning it for the 49ers. Maybe 20 to 17. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. A perfect description of the game. I'm o- I'm only going with Dallas, and this is, I know, a weird reason, but I'm only okay. going with Dallas for one reason, is in today's NFL, 5-0 and o is really, really hard. And for all the talk about the start, start of the Niners, they have played the Steelers, the Rams, who I still say the Rams are better than what people think, the Giants, and the Cardinals. Um, this is going to be the first time I think they truly get punched in the mouth, and and and, and not that they don't they can't respond. I honestly, I'm just going. It's just really hard to be five and zero. Oh. This just feels like a cowboy win. This just feels like when you're ready to be. And, and I'll be honest with you, it feels like they win this week and they lose next week, and they're still four and two at the break, which is exactly where. I had them going at the beginning of the year. Four and two, I thought was going to be their start out. I didn't think they'd lose to the Cardinals, but I, I just feel like this is one of those games where San Francisco's not going to show everything. They're going to keep things closer to the vest. It's going to be, I'm like you, I think it's going to be lower scoring. I think it's a 20 to 17 type game. And I'll just flip it. I, I, I think the young, the new Brandon Aubrey kicks a field goal to win the game for the Cowboys. And the Cowboys feel really good about themselves. Everybody's great. We're finally going to be there. And then they'll lose to the Chargers like 21 to three or 21 to 10 or something like that. Not only because that's the Cowboys, that's just the NFL. Look at the Dolphins. I mean, that's just the NFL today. When you, the, the team that you think is high for that one week usually tends to fall the very next week. So if Cowboys lose this Sunday, they should beat the Chargers. They will. Yeah, I, I, they're four and two at the end of the break. Uh, going coming up to the break. 
I did like the little tribute the Cowboys did for Ezekiel yeah, Elliott cool. in his return. That was no, cool. That was pretty nice. I'm surprised the Patriots didn't run him as much. I, I figured they would have just let him be like a bell cow in this well, game. Well, the game got away from him. Uh, again, that's what Dallas's defense. And again, that's why I also go back to why you need to worry about the run defense, but not always is because most of the time Dallas usually is, even if they're just kicking field goals, they're at least putting points on the board almost every possession. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and talk about that though. I was absolutely gobsmacked when Jerry Jones this weekend basically said Ezekiel Elliott will be in the ring of honor. Why? I don't think he deserves to be in the ring of honor. He has over 8,000 rushing yards. If he keeps playing a couple of years, he'll get to 10,000. But that anything after what he left Dallas doesn't matter. Like this is, this isn't the hall of fame. This is the ring of honor. What did what did Zeke do? Led the league in rushing a couple of times. That's I mean, have we fallen that far as an organization that the Ring of Honor, which used to be one of the most exclusive uh, things to get into, like great players from Super Bowl teams, will never touch the Ring of Honor, but we're willing to put in. And I love him, but Demarcus Ware, we're going to put Jason Witten in. You know, probably Tyron and Zach Martin. You know, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin are going to be Hall of Famers. And then you're going to have Ezekiel. I just, I, I just think that that's Jones being Jones at that point. Well, maybe he just had enough uh, Johnny Walker Blue Label. Sadly, it was like on Saturday morning when he said it, though. I just don't know. I, I, I you I mean, and I, today's you, Monday morning, and yeah. uh, <laughs> well, never mind. Shut up. But but you you, you know, but it, it just it's just weird. And you but you bring up a good point. If ten thousands is always been the mythical line, and Ezekiel Elliott ends up with ten thousand in an era where running backs have been de-emphasized, how does he not make the Hall of Fame? And I don't think he will. I don't think he'll get to ten thousand. I think that's obvious. I think. I, I mean, he's just he just ain't got the wills. I know he had a decent game last week, but he just doesn't have the wills anymore. I just don't think he has the ability to 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 be the lead back enough to get two thousand yards more or whatever. I think he needs like eighteen hundred yards more. He'll have to go to a team that has really no talent except for him, and they're just gonna run him the ball until they figure out their future. That's probably the only way he's gonna get but, to and, 10, and nobody really does that anymore. Kind of no. like with Adrian Peterson that one year he was in Washington. Yeah, yeah. He got the ten thousand yards. They didn't really have much. They were just a slow team. They didn't have much talent around them, but they had Peterson, and he had a couple of great games, and that got him to 1,000 yards for the season. So he is, he's at 8,400 yards right now. Actually, so on the exact right. dot, 8,400 yards. So far this year, he has 138 carries. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see them de-emphasizing. You know, they're, they're going to be competitive enough at the bottom to, to still be, you know, where they're going to be in enough games. I don't really see them doing that now. I was trying to look at his uh, thing, but I don't know. I think what he's been an all-pro. Uh, he's been an, he's only been a pro all-pro one time. Uh, he's been 2016 or 2018? 2016. Um, okay. he, he led the league in 2016 and 2018. Uh, I, I'm actually surprised. Let me see. I'm trying to see if he was a second-team all-pro. Uh, well, you're looking that up. I just wanted to say, man, I love the Arizona Cardinal uniforms. Oh my god! Yeah, let's go to the, let's go to the. We'll, we'll, let me go back up. We'll go to the uniform games. You're right. Uh, the, I, I still I get people making fun or not making fun of, but chastising the Zona's red uniforms. I still like them with the white helmet, but the all white that just harkened back to the 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 80s and the late 70s St. Louis Cardinals where they wore all white all the time, and it just it looks really good. Um, let's see what it shows. I always like to look at these blind, uh, Kansas city jets. Awesome. Jets go with that green helmet. Just take the blacks away. Go with the b green helmet with the white face mask. It looks really good. Um, 
Vegas Chargers, no disagreeing. Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Eh, I'm still not. Quite, I'm. I don't know. The Tampa Bay one just doesn't do it for me anymore. But it did look good with the the, the gold and the whatever you want to call their color. Uh, Pittsburgh, Houston. Hey, the red helmets. I think we're all ready though for the new Houston uniforms next year. The as close to the Houston Oilers colors as they can get without Tennessee getting mad. I'm curious to see what they're going to look like. Uh, and what was your worst one? My worst one was the Rams and the Colts. Yeah. That was a pretty crappy one, mainly because I just I, I don't hate the Rams. I just feel like the Rams is the one jersey in the league right now that dates the, this era. Like you're gonna see those uniforms and go, oh yeah, that's that's that 2020 era when we kind of got weird with some of the colors. Uh, everybody else in the league, even the teams I don't like, I, like Seattle. We've talked about Seattle and Denver. Uh, yeah. th- their uniforms are fine. I'm just tired of seeing them. They're just grown old. It, it's stale. With the Rams, I can't wait for Seattle to go back to that retro look. This oh season. yeah, this, they're doing it. And again, that's one thing I love about how they're. I, I think you're going to start seeing that more and more each year. Where instead of it just being one game, you'll see maybe out of 17 games, you get four retro looks, uh, a couple of their alternate look, and and I like that. I think that looks good. I, I don't want it to be like Oregon where you never get one look, but I don't yeah. mind having multiple, especially when you talk about like well, like like the Patriots, like they have a really great you know, old school look. Uh, the Jets have a great old school look. The Chargers, just everything looks good on that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the Colts look good. I mean, I, I still think the white and the blue. I, I kind of am curious to see what that – I know a lot of people trashed it. I'm curious to see what that blue helmet looks like later on in the year, though. I think it kind of looked pretty cool when they revealed it. I want to see what it looks like if they wear an all-white uniform. I think that contrast well, they, might be the, nice. Oh, you're talking about the blue helmet. Oh, that's – that's a good one. I didn't even think about that. You're like me. I, I like uh, I like the all white, but I really love the white jersey top uh, pants and then a, a dark colored helmet. And you know what the the Houston helmet? I kind of wish they did. Uh, you know their logo. It's it's like blue and red with white yeah. trim. I think they should do a white. Whenever they wear the red helmet, have a white instead of blue. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd look so good. White, yeah, white and or just white and blue. A white and blue with red, maybe you know, through red, maybe black trim. I, but I, I, I think the, the only problem I didn't like about their uniform was that the logo didn't pop out on the much. helmet. Yeah, so I, I think if they do that, I think because then the helmet will really pop out, or the the logo will pop out. I think that'll make it perfect. All right, who do you have tonight? Seattle versus the Giants. Seattle. I, I think the the Giants don't really have an offensive identity right now. They kind of made the playoffs last year and skirted by with solid running game, healthy players, uh, offensive linemen playing out of their minds. Yeah. And Daniel Jones being safe with the ball. Efficient. Yeah. So I'm not, is Jones even playing tonight? Like, and I know he's not in the best shape right now. No, he's playing. Barkley might not play and their left tackle is out. I think Seattle wins this game and I'm, I'm so about to take the, the center fence here. It would not shock me if the Giants win this game. This is, again, going back to this is the NFL. Whenever a, a you're ready to bury a team or anoint a team, they tend to the, – the opposite happens. And Seattle, you know, you and I have talked about it. I, I still think there's a little bit of fool's gold in Seattle's offense. I, I think they're an offense that are going to have games where they just look really, really good. And then they're going to have games where they look really, really bad. And you can talk about they looked really bad against the Rams. And then the last two weeks, they've looked great against the Lions and the Panthers. Going into uh, New York, I 
I'm going to say New York, but it just, and by the way, Daniel Jones has become Kirk Cousins. He's 0 for 6 on Monday night football games. Um, but I, I just think the Giants, I mean, I think Seattle still finds a way, but don't be shocked if the Giants end up pulling this one out. Maybe their best tackle and or the best lineman, Andrew Thomas, will be out. They'll be that's not going to help uh, Daniel Jones at all. But yeah, Saquon Barkley and Thomas out. That's I just don't see it happening. I mean, I don't either. But I'm just saying it's the NFL. <laughs> that's again yeah, back to back New York primetime games. Jets played last night yep. in MetLife and Giants playing tonight. Oh, that's I wonder weird. How many times are going to do that going forward? Well, they did it in Week One. I know it was just flipped, but like you want to like next season going. Oh forward, yeah, like, but but that but that's kind of interesting how they flipped it. I just you, you just brought that up. I didn't even think about that. Last, if week one it was Cowboys Giants on Sunday, and then Jets and back. I mean, it's yep. a good. I mean, you know, all jokes aside about the the New York teams and the bad luck. I, the Jets showed last night in that loss that they're still that defense is gonna if 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 they can weather and just find some sustained play. That I still think that Jets defense is gonna win them some games. Like, and Wilson, there was a couple of drives where he was just wheeling it. I, I was confused. I thought he was Aaron Rodgers for a couple of those drives, especially when they were in the second half when they opened and they tied the the, the game twenty twenty. Yeah, against the Chiefs, I was I was very impressed with some of his throws. They looked very confident. Uh, I, I don't know what that was, but they need to focus more on that because I, I see some promise there with Wilson. He just needs to realize that he can make the throws in the NFL. Like, the thing that impressed everybody with him coming out of BYU in 2021 was his the, cougar his skills. Oh, his arm. Yeah, you're right. His arm strength. Oh, <laughs> oh, he looked very confident. And I think if he just keeps building on that confidence, he's going to be a legitimately really good quarterback in the NFL. I never thought about the fact that Zach Cougar Wilson played for the BYU Cougars. Oh, that's so great. You look at their schedule, finish it up here. I, we said it for the Broncos. They, they, if they beat the Broncos, they're two and three. You didn't have the Eagles, but then it's the giants, the chargers, the Raiders. I mean, this jets defense could easily win all three of those giants, chargers, and Raiders. So if you beat the Broncos, you lose to the Eagles, you're two and four, three and four, four, you're, you're sitting right back there at four and four, five and four. And then maybe you start thinking about, Hey, do we try to trade for a, 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 a proven quarterback? If Zach Wilson is still kind of treading water. Yeah. I mean, the Daniel Hackett is the good offensive coordinator. Aaron Rodgers keeps saying he is good point. He'll be able to bring out that confidence in Zach Wilson. Cause you, you see it, you, you saw it on two or three drives last night. And the, the Chiefs defense, they had Chris Jones, it's, and they have Steve Spagnola as a defensive coordinator. It's not like they're a bad defense. They're halfway decent. It's yeah. just they are missing parts. They have Karloftis and Jones at the uh, uh, line. They have McDuffie in the secondary. So they have parts. It's just you know they're not on lead defense, but still, like, Zach Wilson looks pretty good. Well, and and the, the treatment. Two to three drives. The throw to Garrett Wilson against the Cowboys. He stood in the pocket as, as it's collapsing, and he finds the guy, you know, and throws it, you know, perfectly where Wilson can catch it in stride and, and score. You like you said, you see it with him. It's there's just something. It's just something missing on it. And again, it's going back to I was explaining to to Jenny the difference between a good player and a great player, and it's consistency. A, a bad yeah. NFL player is still talented. It's just they can't go out every week and be consistent. A great player goes out every week and is consistent. If Wilson can do this for five to six drives instead of one to two, exactly. that, that Jets team will be 
lights out. Yeah, they don't have to outscore people, but if they can get to 24, I think it's going to be really, really hard for teams to get past, you know, and, and don't look at the Cowboy-Jet game. Again, Dallas stuck with the run, and, and the Jets, their kind of weakness is kind of like Dallas. If you if you start gashing them, that it takes away their pass rush and stuff, but it, it, still, not enough teams are going to do that. Anyway, that's week four talking the books. That means it's week five. Noe? We hold up our drink in honor of my fantasy football teams because I think what I'm about to do in our two leagues is start emptying rosters. Whoa. Yeah, it's, it, he, he outdrank it like in the first kickoff. Um, you remember when we first started the shows back, we wanted to do it by quarters. You know, we'll do first quarter and then second quarter. Oh, yeah. yeah we call yeah. it stupid crap. But, uh, yeah, my <laughs> fantasy football, I think what I'm about to do is I'm about to start doing what you do. That's empty the roster. We're picking up rookies. O'Connell or whatever your name is from the Raiders, come on down. You're my new starting quarterback. Until then, he's in turn. No, I'm Terry Benton. This has been Outdrank the Coverage, brought to you by Granger Pest Solutions on L4 Media.